Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. As we turn our heart towards God's holy word this morning, let's go to the Lord in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we thank you so much for your holy scripture written so long ago. God, we thank you for your spirit who inspired those to tell the stories, to write these things down so that we may have them to study today. And we pray that your very spirit, that same spirit, be with us today as we search your word, write on our hearts what you would have us here in Christ's holy name. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 15, verses 13 through 20. Hear these words. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a a hill cannot be hid. Please do not... People do not light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter... Not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of the commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God for we, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I do not mind a good snow. I do not mind a good snow. Snow is is fun. You can go outside and you can build snowmen. You can build snow forts and have snowball fights. You can bring the snow inside and make snow ice cream. Yeah, I'm seeing a couple. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah, snow's fun. You can take the four by fours out and explore the fields. You can explore uh, uh, the forest. It's just it's just refreshing to be out in good snow. I don't mind a good snow. Last week we did not have good snow. Last week we had ice, and when it comes to ice, most of the population understands something very important, and there's people like me that need to be reminded that when ice covers the streets, our four-by-fours that do well in the mud and in the snow magically turn into expensive sleds when they hit the ice. Even so, I made it out of the house Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning, And I slid all the way downtown to the gym. I actually slid past the police station. It was early in the morning. There was two units that had their lights on. They were talking back and forth, and they just kind of watched me slide on by and just shook their heads. Yeah, and rightfully slow, rightfully so, it was very what I like to call slickery. Yeah. But I made it to the gym and somehow I slid back up here to the church and just decided I I really should have stayed home. I really should have stayed home. When we have inclement weather, especially when we're stuck at home, it seems that this is the time that all the family comfort food favorites are made, right? 
We make our chili and brownies and cookies and pies and homemade bread and, and, and cinnamon rolls, sometimes chili with cinnamon rolls. That's a thing. But it's, it's when, we, when we cook our family favorites for the time when we're just experiencing inclement weather and we're shut in. And so when I slid home, I, I said, I'm going to cook something. I don't know what I'm going to cook. So I went to the pantry to see what all I had, you know, what starches were there, what vegetables were there, what meats were there. And then I went to the most important cabinet of all, the seasoning cabinet. And I had to look for one particular seasoning that was called for in all of the ingredients and in all the instructions for all the foods that I wanted to cook. And it was salt. It was salt. Now I'm, I'm a fan of the Himalayan salt or the pink salt. Anybody know what the pink salt is? Seen a couple of yeses out there. I love this salt and, and this is a very interesting salt because it, it's mined in an area called uh, Punjab which is part of Pakistan and I hope I have my geography right. Last week I told you I was in Pigeon, Pigeon Forge in the Rockies but, but but this particular salt, this particular salt is from Punjab in Pakistan. And what they do is they go in, they dig these tunnels, they go in and they mine the minerals that create this salt. And they bring out these big chunks of, of pink, what looks like rock. And from that rock they take and they, they make certain things like lamps or vases, or they grind it down and purify it and it becomes salt. It becomes salt. Now the, the use of salt has been around since our cultural beginnings. From our very time of Neolithic age, when we started developing communities, salt was traded and it was used for preservation and it was used for medicinal purposes. Salt protected and salt healed. Today, salt is harvested through mining, like the pink salt that I mentioned earlier, but it's also harvested in ways that the ancient culture used. It's really neat and there has to be a certain condition for the salt to develop. It's kind of like uh, making divinity candy, but it's actually the opposite. Instead of it being cool and cloudy and no humidity at all, it really has to be a lot of sun, has to be a lot of humidity for salt to develop. What happens is seawater is, is harvested and it, it's moved to a place where the sun is bright. The sun sends out the heat and the humidity and it creates a change within the seawater. The water itself dissolves, evaporates, and what's left is salt. As we read our text from Matthew this morning, Jesus has been preaching on the mountain. He's just preached to the crowd what we know as the Beatitudes or the blessed are. Blessed are. Blessed are those in poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted and insulted for their faith. These are those whom Jesus is calling blessed. And then Jesus goes on to tell the crowd this, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. The Sermon on the Mount speaks to issues of righteousness, of compassion, and of justice. It suggests that the community surrounding Jesus at this moment had a challenge in front of them. The challenge was this, to live righteously, to live compassionately, and to live justly. For those who are reading the scripture, this text today, we also have this same challenge before us, to live righteously, compassionately, and justly. What exactly does this mean, to live righteously? Well, if you look in the dictionary, the dictionary will tell you that to live righteously means to do what is right or to live with morals. And that's a, a good definition. 
But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to the practice of our faith, I want us to think a little bit further that righteousness can be defined as doing what is in agreement with God's standards, or better yet, being in a proper relationship with God. We are called to be in a proper relationship with God. We are called to live compassionately. The Greek word here means tender-hearted or kind-hearted. We are called to live in a proper relationship with God, and in doing so, we are also called to live kind-hearted. We are called to live justly. To understand this word, we can go back to the Hebrew text, specifically Psalms, where we read, Those who live justly live righteously. Those who live justly live righteously. And and justly here is those who live under the ordinance or under God's direction live justly. We are called to live with a kind heart, to live within God's standards, and to live a life that's pleasing to God. I want us to think this morning about someone who comes to mind, someone from your observation during your life, someone who has lived a life with a kind heart, within God's standards, and lived a life pleasing to God. Think about someone. Perhaps a number of people come up on your list But I wonder, I wonder how many of us here placed our own names on that list. Probably not many of us. Sometimes, you see, we know that it's easier, it's easier to put ourselves before others. Sometimes we know that it's easier to pass someone by than to show compassion. First, sometimes it's easier for us to lift up ourselves, not care for one another. And sometimes it's easier for us just to not do things that God finds pleasing. See, we know this about ourselves. So we, we probably don't make our own list of someone who has lived a life full with a kind heart, with God's standards, and a life that's pleasing to God. But what about those who did make our list? Those who seem to live life completely for God, 100% for God. For me, Miss Roberta comes to mind. She was what you would call a prayer warrior. I was about 17 years of age. I just started working for the United Methodist Church as a director of music. And there were some things going on at school, and I really wanted some prayer. And I knew that she was a prayer warrior, so I asked her in passing in the hallway before Sunday school started. I said, Roberta, will you pray for me? And I thought, well, she's going to pray for me later. She'll pray for me in her quiet time. She'll go up to the front and maybe pray for me at the altar. But she surprised me. Right then and there, she put her hands on my shoulders And she said, let's pray. In the middle of the hallway, people walk into Sunday school. And she began to pray, and it was like the clouds opened up, and like the very presence of God filled that hallway. I'll never forget that. That week, we were studying in our small group what it meant, uh, what the United Methodists understood as perfection. And so I went to follow up with her. And that night, that same night she prayed with me, I went up to her and I said, I said, Roberto, how does one know when they reach perfection? How does one know when, when they are living fully in the life that God calls them to live? And she thought about it for a second, and she chuckled, and she said, Chase, the moment I think I've reached where our God wants me to be, it's just another moment that I'm reminded that I still have a long way to go. We are called to live righteously, compassionately, and justly. But honestly, we don't always do it. Why is that? Well, it's not within our nature. 
You see, we're, we're kind of like seawater. Only 2.5% of seawater is salt. Only 2.5% of seawater is salt. The rest of the mixture is 96.5% water, and the remaining percent are other substances. But the salt that Christ calls us to be, it's there. But it's mixed up with the human condition. It's mixed up with our own shortcomings. The salt that Christ calls us to be is within us, but it's mixed up with the, with the junk of our communal sin. And yes, even our own personal sin. So how are we supposed to be the salt in the world to live as Christ calls us to live? I like to think that as the light from the sun sends forth the heat to the seawater, causing the water to evaporate and the salt to be produced, so too Christ sends forth the Holy Spirit to us. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, a change takes place. We are changed. The human conditions, our shortcomings, our communal and individual sins are removed. And what is left is a new creation, the salt that Christ calls us to be in this world. Salt produces protection, and salt produces healing. With the help of the Holy Spirit, we practice our faith. We live into this new way that Christ calls us to live into. As United Methodists, we do this in our practice of piety and works of mercy. That is, we worship God one-on-one in our personal prayer time, during our personal Bible studies, during times in which we fast, We also come together as a group and we worship God communally through our worship, through studying scriptures alongside one another as we join each other in Sunday school or Bible studies as we come to the table and celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. In fact, these are the ordinances of God. These are directive under God to worship, to search the scripture, to have personal and family prayer time, to fast and to attend to the sacraments. We also worship God when we care for one another. We pray for one another, when we're there for one another, not just us here, but those in our community, even those around the world. We practice our faith as members of the church in our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And in our practice of faith, we are salt, protectors, protecting the integrity of our faith. See, faith is something that we've received from God. Faith is our response to God inviting us to participate in God's love. So we protect our faith by living into this life, following Christ in all that we do. And in doing so, we reflect the love of Christ. That love is shown in our actions of faith. And those actions are a light in our community and throughout this world. Of course, it's not our light that's shining. It's the light of Christ shining through us. The light that changed us. The light that is God's love. In the practice of our faith, healing takes place. There's so much hurt in the world. We know that to be sure. But when we live into this life that Christ has called us to live into, hope is there. Hope for renewal. Hope for reconciliation. Hope for justice. Hope for belonging. Hope for life. And hope for life eternal. Salt protects and salt heals. And for us to be the salt and the light in and to this world, we need the sun. Today we have the opportunity to come to God's table. God's table where the sun is present, where the Holy Spirit changes us. So this morning as we come forward, come and receive, so that we may become and be the salt and light in and to this world. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparacle.org. May God bless you this week.